Hi, I'm Tony Red, and welcome to the Red Room. Unsung musicians behind the headline legends. Today I have a very special guest. I am so honored to have the drum master, drum legend, drum royalty, and my friend, the one and only, Sonny Emery. What's up, Sonny? Hey, Tony. How you doing, sweetie? I'm doing so good. I mean, I'm doing even better now that I'm interviewing you. I am so proud of you and what you're doing. Well, thank you for that. But you, but you know what I was going to say? It's a shame I have to interview you to have a conversation with you. But, but <laughs> I know, child. But you know what? You are so busy, and I just try to, you know, get in where I fit in. You know, all, all nothing but love. You know. I, yeah. Yeah. Call me anytime. I know. I know. Okay, so you know, I, I kind of want to start from the a little bit from the beginning, not too far back, but a little bit. Okay, so you you got your no. First of all, you came out of your mother's room womb with uh, two sticks, a cymbal, and a snare drum. That's what I believe. I don't know about nobody else. Uh, <laughs> then then you got your first drum set at age four. You graduated Georgia State University with a bachelor's in jazz performance, and and this is what this is the kicker. You started out playing with jazz legend Joe Sample. Please tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was actually it. Wasn't the very first one though? The very first one was uh, uh, Joe Luponte in the in the you know in the jazz realm. Yes, know, but. Mm -hmm. oh, Joe came through town, and it really, it really did kind of start. You know, the the major part of the career started with Joe. Uh, I met him at a uh, a function, a after party for the Atlanta Jazz Festival one year, and I was playing and um, had the house band that night. And all the people that played the festival came through that night, and he had a chance to hear me play, and we played together that night. And uh, before the night was over, he sent Sonny Abelardo, who was his tour manager over at the time, and said, hey, man, Joe, really, really enjoyed playing with you. You know, would you be interested in coming out to L.A. and, and, and joining Joe and the Crusaders? I was like, oh, yeah, most definitely. That is so, phenomenal. <laughs> so that, that happened in the summer of 86, because that festival was, you know, uh, spring, I think May, late May in '86, and then I'd already planned to move to LA anyway. That was just God setting me up with a gig to take me to LA, and I've been forever grateful. And you know, I learned so much with Joe because he was a very, very, very demanding boss. But it was great. I mean, you know, it, it kind of it got me ready for the other stuff in play. You know. Yeah, I mean, I was just speaking to you know one of your other you know. Um uh, a friend, Sam, was telling me about how tough it was playing with Joe. So he pretty much had both of you guys, and y'all were really getting schooled, you know, about the industry and, you know, t to play with legends like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, excuse me, that's my dog. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really a test of your, uh, of your will, how much you loved it, and, uh, I think Joe did a lot of that just to see if he could really break us, you know. Wow. And, uh, but he, you know, I mean, it was musical test. 
it was musical tests and it was then there were also you know like personality tests and endurance tests it was all kinds of tests and i remember when sam first got the gig i i had left because i had gotten the gig with david sanborn and when we did a few gigs together and then i was gone and then it seems like when i left the situation just joe all he turned all of his attention to to like really really you know digging into sam but i mean you know, it was it was really really you know it was a learning experience right but we, at that point to take us you know to just really usher us into that that uh that level of performing every night you know what i mean I mean, it's well, I tell you what, it all worked out for the best because you all are at the top of your field and that's why you are in the demand that you are in. And, you know, it's just, it's all good. Um, so, you know, some people say you're probably known, best known for your groundbreaking drumming with the, oh my God, the elements of the universe, earth, wind, and fire. OMG. Now, I know you got some incredible stories because not only did you play with them, but you became a member. And you played with them, what, something like 13 or 14 years? So you were a member of the group, not just uh, playing with them. You were a member of the legendary Earth, Wind & Fire. I know you got some great stories with because, you know, I love Maurice White. I love Philip Baby. I love Birding. So, and I love you. So give us, I mean, give us some stories, a little bit of history with the elements of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, it was, you know, obviously it was, you know, the top of my list as, the, as far as like being, you know, the highlight or one of the, you know, grand highlights of my career. And I think, I mean, that's because of a lot of different reasons. I mean, first of all, you know, when we were growing up in the 70s, 80s, they were the hottest band in the world. Uh, I still think they're the best band in the world. I do too. Uh, Maurice was a, a mentor to me, but not only was he a mentor, uh, once I got in the band, he was, you know, he was a musical mentor and, uh, a drumming, to me, a drumming icon already because of what he had done with Earth, Wind & Fire. And he, he being a drummer for Rams Lewis was, you know, I was already listening to him when I was a baby and didn't really even know it. Wow. You know, when he was, uh, when he was playing drums with Rams Lewis. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it all kind of came full circle, and you're asking for some stories. So, I'll just start with Maurice. I asked, one day we were in the studio, we were cutting my first solo project, Hypnofunk, which Maurice, you know, being a drummer, he gave me an opportunity to record and to, and to, to really kind of do projects on that level. And so he signed me to Columba Records. Wow. Like, second second or third year something like that no it was it was later in that mm -hmm. um, been in the band maybe six seven years and i had expressed to him before you know that i wanted to do my own project and you know and he, he was like yeah i know you know and i just thought he was just, it was going in one ear out the other but he was actually paying attention and so he came to me one day and he said hey look i'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a record on you I'm wow. to Columbia, mm -hmm. art McNabb, and you're the paperwork blah 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 so anyway we're in the studio recording this, and this this is the story right here. I, 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 I'm in the studio, and we were recording at Sony Records in uh, in Santa Monica in L.A., and we had a great day of tracking, and it was just, Reese and I we were sitting at the board just kind of listening back to everything we had recorded at that. So at the end of the last recording, I just said, okay, Reese, 
I just got to ask you something, man. It's been kind of just, you know, been on my heart, on my mind. I said, why did you choose me for Earth, Wind, and Fire? How did you get around to choosing me? And, you know, he looked me, looked at me and he said, Spirit sent you to me. Wow. And that, that has stuck with me because I think about all the parallels, you know, it's like that, that music, I grew up on that music. I knew all of those songs before we played note one at, you know, the first time I played with them. Right. And that music was just so much a part of my fabric. It was just like a, it was a perfect situation for me. God knew it and he put me, put me in, in front of Maurice, you know, and so that's how, that's one, just one story. You know, I got a million stories with these guys because they were always, all of them, they were always imparting knowledge, you know. Uh, Philip and I, I mean, I spent a lot of time with all of them, you know. Philip and I are really tight. He's Christian, I'm a Christian, and, you know, he just has always been the one to hold me accountable, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't lose my mind. <laughs> I didn't lose my mind. And, right. And, superstardom because there are a lot of lot of distractions a lot of things you can get off into i mean you know la in and of itself is intoxicating exactly I call, it, call it yeah i call it uh an adult playground so if you're not careful you can lose yourself a little bit you know? okay let me ask you something did you ever lose yourself and become intoxicated <laughs> well i mean i really enjoyed la but because I had such a spiritual background, a foundation, when I went to L.A., and I had a brother like Philip who always was like, okay, you know, let's keep a, you know, not keep a lid on it, but just, you know, if you know that somebody has your back, somebody really loves you, mm -hmm. and you trust, and you know that their, their, their faith lines up with yours, right. then, you know. Especially if it's if it's if it's that type of situation between Philip and I, I'm his little brother, you know. Right. I, I, brother i mean you know uh you know Virginia say to me all the time you're just like reese you're just like maurice man you're just like maurice you're gonna be great you're gonna do great things and that man you know and he they all just kind of took me under their wing and molded me and made sure that i was i was correct not only musically but prepared for like life too you know exactly you know, they were like other other additional fathers. I had a great father, and I'm blessed to say that yes. I have a wonderful father. You know what I mean? Yes. And anybody, my dad knew how how wonderful of a man he was. He was even more an incredible dad. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, so to have guys like Maurice White coming to your life, Philip Bailey, Verdine White, Ralph Johnson coming to your life, and you know, support you, and you are traveling the world with them, and you're learning from the, the very best. Uh, it just doesn't get any better than that, you know what I mean? And I'm so grateful for that. You are definitely you know? blessed. And speaking of your father, I had an opportunity to, to uh, sing with your father, play with your father. Um, it was like the Kennedy, not, not the Kennedy, the King Awards, Coretta Scott. Um, mm -hmm. was there and Elton John and and I got a chance to play with your father he played sax and I was singing and it was somebody else was it Kurt Mitchell's somebody uh, so that was awesome so and I loved your dad you know I mean I love your whole family but you know like yeah. just speaking of fathers yeah that's awesome yeah so I mean you know they I mean you know they, they really they, they really helped mold me and prepare me for all the stuff that I've done. You know, while I was with them, I was working with other acts. You know, especially when, when I became a member of the band, I had 
could schedule ahead of time and I could schedule other stuff. And we had, you know, a long enough break, I would go out and do other things. You know, so that never quick. that never became a problem within the group? No. Really? No. Earth, Wind, and Fire was priority one. And if everything else didn't fit into the schedule so that I could be available when Maurice needed me, then I just passed on it. Yes. You know? Family. But I was, yeah, mm -hmm. I was, I was, I was afforded the opportunity to do that because, you know, Maurice paid me, you know, he paid me well and, and, and I was on, 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 um, uh, uh, retainer, you know, for, um, a good little while there, you know what I mean? So, uh, and usually when we had long breaks, we're in the studio working on somebody's project because Maurice completely pulled me into his entire camp. Damn. And I was not. That's amazing, Sonny. Yeah, when he was producing stuff like the, the, um, the Urban Nights projects and stuff on uh, Jonathan Butler and, you know, Paul uh, Taylor, all this other stuff that he was doing, I was, you know, I was recording. I was in the, in the studio with him recording tracks for other people. So he kept me busy, you know. He kept me busy. Man. You know? Yeah, and, uh, truly been blessed. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, Verdine and I, since Maurice's passing, I mean, we were always, we stayed in, in touch, and uh, I talked to him, you know, really consistently. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, there's such great people. Yes. And they're so wise, so I just like to, you know, stay connected to, you know, the people in my life who I know are, first of all, love me truly and yeah, unconditionally. Exactly. Put me truly and unconditionally, you know. So, okay, like in your personal life, how has being on the road, because I know you're gone all the time, being on the road, mm -hmm. gone all the time, how has, you know, that impacted your personal life as far as your relationships, you know, with your friends and your family? How has that impacted yeah. your life? Well, I mean, you know, all, most of my friends already know, look, when he's out, he's out. I may not talk to him for six, seven weeks or however long it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Part of it, that's the easy part. The harder part was trying to maintain a marriage for 32 years. Um, when, when, you know, when you're gone, I mean, cause, I mean, you know, relationships need time and, and quality time together in order to thrive. Exactly. You know? We've just been completely blessed. And, uh, I mean, you know, and it hasn't been perfect. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's been perfect, but no marriage is perfect. Right. You know what I mean? No perfect. Um, you're just not going to find anybody who's perfect because none of us are perfect. Nothing so, is perfect. We all fall yeah. short. Yeah, exactly. So when you, you know, I, I just attribute it to, you know, we both want to make the marriage work. And you love each other. Yeah, we love each other. And we found a way to... To, to kind of weather the years when I was, you know, kind of really gone. Because at one point, when Earth went, I was gone maybe like nine months out of the year. I know. <laughs> yeah, so, but we said, but look, I mean, you know, it's like we had young kids, but we also, you're like, my mom was still alive, her mom was still alive, my grandma, my, um, uh, my father-in-law was still around. So we're like, look, you know, when I'm gone for, you know, a certain amount of time, then you plan a trip, just come out. And that's what happened. So we started, you know, looking at the schedule and making sure that we spent and had time carved out for each other. Mm -hmm. Period. 
regardless of whether or not I was in Bangkok or Bankhead, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we, you, we made that part of it happen, you know. That's it, beautiful. It, it is challenging because, like I said, you can get caught up in, a lot of artists get caught up in, I gotta make it, gotta make it, gotta make it, and I'm just doing anything, and you're just so tunnel vision on that part of your life that the other parts of your life suffer. Yeah, but see, at some point, you have to be tunnel vision. That's that's yeah. that's uh, yeah. what gets you where you are, and that's the yeah. hard that's the hard part. It's like you have to make yeah. a sacrifice almost sometimes. Yeah. Well, you do to make a sacrifice, but but here's the key to that, though, Tony. The key to that, and and I think, well, my mom and my dad for my spiritual upbringing. But once I got with like the fire and Verdine turned me on to like yoga mm -hmm. and it taught me that discipline taught me how to balance my life okay? wow okay you balance your life you have more time to do everything that you need to get done than you think it's mm. just that when vision you're so hell-bent on i got to just do this you know what i mean but we don't realize all these other facets of your life help to make your life complete yes which is only going to enhance what you're trying to do career-wise. So you got to keep your life in balance. I, I tell younger players that all the time. You know, you got to, you really have to keep it in balance. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, you know, I went for it hard. I know you did. You know? That's why you are Sonny Emery. <laughs> yes, went hard, but we were, we were always balanced, though. Right. You know, I don't think we were ever. I think one time I started to get out of balance, and my dad checked me. I remember he said. I remember I came home one time from, from a rehearsal or somewhere. Mm -hmm. I may have been on the gig with you with Magic Dream. Mm -hmm. Remember when we were just gigging? Oh, yeah. Gigging? I remember you even brought me home a couple of times yeah. from, from rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, so I remember coming home and, you know, I'm, I'm at Georgia State. I got this assignment. I have this ensemble and I got it. I got this paper I got to write and this. And I, I was playing at Walter Mitty's. I was trying to gig with y'all. There's a lot going on. You mm -hmm. know, Mike pulled me aside one day. He said, hey, man, let me let you know something. He said, there's more to life than playing the drums and music. You said, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to the point. I, was, I, got, I reached a, a point, Tony, where I was like really like so, so focused and so in, the, in that bubble of, okay, I got two and a half more years at Georgia State. I gotta I gotta get it together so that when I hit the ground I wanna hit the ground running. I wanna come out of state blazing and I don't wanna I don't wanna have any fear. I wanna go straight to what I wanna do and I wanna do it on a level because my dad always told me, he's like, look, you gotta, you know, you gotta be able to go out here and compete with these guys. You gotta read, you gotta outread them, you gotta outplay them, you gotta outdo everything. You know what I mean? Because all of us, we don't always get the same opportunities as other persuasions. Right. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we have to do that. And so, yeah, I got so tunnel vision at one point, and he had to kind of pull my coat. But it was cool because, you know, later I learned, you know, through the yoga practices and all that, you know, and Verdine used to tell me too, and, and Maurice, that's how they had the longevity. They had, it was balance. Balance. You know, you have to balance. Mm-hmm. I guess it's everything, it boils down to everything in moderation. You have to have a balance of everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Because what happens is as soon as you balance your life out, the energy and the work that you're putting into your career is 
so much more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you, you're just going to be able to, because you're going to be rested too. That's the other part of it. Is if you, you just go, 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 and you don't ever, you're not eating right, you're not getting any sleep, mm-hmm. and you're trying to party and all that stuff at the same time, man, your body is just going to completely shut down on you. You are you know? really dropping some serious, uh, some serious wisdom, Sonny. I appreciate you just, you know, letting yeah. everybody know. Yeah, but then you can't do anything once your body shuts down. So you gotta, you gotta say, okay, look, I need to do this. There's a smart way to to to, to roll after success. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's all. That's, and you know, I tried to impart that into my kids. There's a smart way to do it. Yeah. You know. As you, because the saddest thing is, some people, they roll so hard to try to become successful, and then they become successful, and next thing you know, they're, they're definitely sick. Right. And they can't enjoy it. Okay, so you put all this effort and energy into this. Kids here now, you're making all the money you want to make, you're living how you want to make, and now you can't enjoy it because you're sick. Because you've run yourself into the ground. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you know, it's just the wise thing to do is, is to is to roll with the balance. Got that right. Okay, Sonny, now you're also known, this is one of my favorite parts, you're also known for your innovative visual effects during your live performances. You know, that stick twirling, back sticking technique. Let me tell you something. The first time I saw you do that, I was like, what is that? I've never seen that. And this is, he's going to take the world by storm. And you did. So tell us about, you know, how you became, you know, what made you do that, how it started. It's amazing. And I remember um, I, was in, I was in Dallas doing a gig, and you all, Earth on the Fire was in Dallas. You didn't know I was there. Um, but I, I came to the show, and I got message to you. And remember, we hooked up in Dallas. But anyway, they put the spotlight on you, and you did that drum solo. And boy, that was, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen any drummer do, except for when Earth from the Fire back in the day, you know, the drum turned upside down and was yeah. spinning. Hey, that, that's why you belonged in that group because you were spinning and twirling too. <laughs> well, yeah, and, that, it, and that's kind of just how I'm back into it. It was like, yeah, I mean, everything was kind of just divinely in order. I mean, the whole stick twirling thing for me, I mean, you know, I, I'm definitely not the innovator of the actual stick twirl and that stuff because. There were drummers back in the 30s and 40s, uh, Sid Catlett and Sonny Payne, who did, you know, tricks with drumsticks on the kit, you know, during the big band era. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think what happened is it all went away. Because if you think about it, back then, big band music was pop music. It was the popular music of the day. People were coming out, just like people coming to dance, Earth, Wind, and Fire. People coming out and dancing to Lionel Hampton and, and all these great big bands, Duke Ellington and all those cats, right? So it was, it was show. It was show business then. But that kind of went away a little bit, you know what I mean? And then as we got into like the 70s, you know, uh, it just kind of, you know, I, don't, I, I wasn't seeing a lot of guys do, do that. But I was totally into like the marching band. And then, you know, I went to Northside High where I was in the marching band. But then I went to, to Douglas. Yeah. So the marching band was like completely off the chain and the drum section was second to none. You got that right. That's true. When I started learning the cadences and stuff from, you know, for Douglas, I was in the 10th grade when I got there. I just, I had just a natural propensity to come home and 
because I was playing drum set every day because I'd come home and practice. I would just start trying, you know, like I, it just basically started as simple as me trying to play a cadence on the drum set, just playing all the parts myself. And then I start flipping and stuff on the cast. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can probably put this in the solo. And then it just started kind of, I just started, you know, putting it into my solos. And then when I got the gig with, with Maurice, with the fire, we were at rehearsal one day, and he was like, okay, so now I want you to do a solo. He said, but I got something special for you. And he said, hold on a minute. And he had this guy bring out this, this prop and a table with like, you know, he had taken some of my drumsticks and, and already kind of like um, put the fluorescent stuff on them, you know. And he was like, I want to try, let's try this. So we tried it and we hit those lights with the here. I'll just do your, your your regular routine reset, and we're gonna hit this with black light and light it up so you can really see the sticks. And it just became a part of the show at that point. That know? was phenomenal. I'm telling you, and who everybody that missed it, I feel so sad for you because you missed the treat. That was incredible. Ooh boy, I was so proud of you. I you know it was awesome. Fun and it, it did. It just fit right into that whole Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, you know, that whole thing of them breaking out stuff, visual effects and stuff to really stimulate you visually as well as the audible stuff. You know what I mean? It was awesome. Not only are you a world-renowned drummer and you a Grammy Award winner. And you know what? You are considered one of the greatest drummers in the world. I knew you were big time. I remember one night, you know, I used to love the Arsenio uh, Hall show, not the second rendition, but the very first one. And he was some kind of way, I forgot, the, the house band. And then he started running down the um, drummers. I'm not sure if you were playing drums that night or sat in or whatever, but he started running down the greatest drummers in the world, and your name was in the lineup. And I was like, he ain't never lied. And then one day I was... Um, in my car going somewhere and uh, Bette Midler was on my radio and she was talking about how awesome you were and then one morning I heard you being doing, aren't you endorsed by Lexus so I, I said this man right here you know you you deserve you deserve everything that you know God has given you and more and you know you playing on platinum status albums like the B-52's Cosmic Thing and still he dance Grammy Award winning two against nature man that's I mean tell us about Steely Dan playing with Steely Dan goodness that was a great experience I, I, I mean you know to all of that Tony to God be, be the glory because it really is just me you know thinking, uh, you know just what the talent and just trying to really you know just honor the gift you know right being, being, being in the studio with Steely Dan was a real, uh, it was a great experience. It, w it was different than anything I'd ever done before, simply because usually when I get hired to do a session, I'm usually like maybe one or two guys on the whole project. Mm -hmm. But this particular project, and what they have been doing with most of their albums, they use a lot of a lot of the heavyweights, you know, in the industry. So if you get the call to actually record with Steely Dan, that, you know, that's a big deal. So I was just honored that I got the call. You know what I mean? To go, and they flew me. It was, it was maybe like eight or nine guys. And, 
it was funny because they had us all on like a week long rotation. Like as I was coming in, the guy who was there the week before me, I think it was Vinny Collier, he was leaving. And then after me, I saw like Sterling Campbell coming in, you know, and it was like Ricky Lawson, Michael White, just, you know. Oh, I love Ricky Lawson. Yeah. Yeah. Chambers, we all talked about it, you know what I mean? And we all played the same song, all the songs, you know? Yeah. And so, so it, it was, you know, it was quite the experience. So we got into the studio. Tom Barney, by the way, turned me on to that, who's a great friend of mine. We had done David Sanborn together as a bassist. He was working with them at the time. And um, so uh, he turned me on, got me, you know, in there. And I met Donald. Um, and, and Walter, and that was a real treat. And uh, I recorded every song for about, you know, uh, every every day for about a week. We did different takes on everything. Some some takes where I was just playing just cymbals. Other takes I played a whole kit. It'd be some takes where I just did drum fills. And we just did, it was just uh, Donald, Tom Barney, and myself actually tracking the stuff. And uh, Walter Becker was actually in the control room, you know, behind the knobs with the engineer. So it was a great experience for me, you know. It sounds magical, Sonny. That's where the magic, you know, begins. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Actually, I'm sorry. That, that record actually won uh, record of the year. Yeah, platinum. When the platinum yeah. selling. Oh yeah. my gosh, boy. That's awesome. Okay, so now you perform countless clinics and master classes during national music conferences. You've got all kind of drum drum endorsements, Yamaha, and um, the other symbol company. I can never pronounce that name. Zildjian. Zildjian. Okay, Zildjian. And you know, now this is this is something that I did not know. I did not know you co-wrote the song "Cruising," which is heard on the Spike Lee movie "Get on the Bus." I love that movie. And you also worked on the Lethal Weapon Two soundtrack with Eric Clapton and David Sanborn. Now, yeah. I have got to go watch that movie again so I can just hear, you know, the songs that that you played on and co-wrote. That's man, that's amazing. Tell me about working with Eric Clapton. Oh, that's that's amazing. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, we're about to embark on some work this year. I've been doing a lot of. He's got a new album coming out. I've been recording it and uh, working on it with him. It's that is truly amazing. That that was like a gig that you know I wanted to to work with Eric on his gig. You know, but it never came around until about maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with him, you know, consistently now and. Um, I'm, I'm his guy, I'm his drummer now, so that's cool. But I first met Eric uh, on those Lethal Weapon soundtrack sessions. I happened to be in New York rehearsing with David Sanborn for upcoming summer tour. Mm -hmm. David leans over to me in rehearsal and goes, Hey man, I want you to do a session for me tonight. Can you meet me at Electric Lake Studios at 8 o'clock or whatever it was? I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to go back to the hotel after we finish rehearsing. So I walk into the Electric Lake. I'm walking the steps and walking to the control room and sitting on the couch fiddling on the guitar is Eric Clapton. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea Eric was going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm over in my mouth, I had to pick up my mouth off the ground, first of all. <laughs> and then I said, hey man, I'm sitting He's like, yeah, I know David told me all about you, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have fun. And so that's how I met him. And we did, we did those sessions. It came out great. And, um, and then the very next time that I, worked with Eric 
was actually on one of my projects. I got a deal with a record company out of Europe called Musicus Records, and um, I did a cover of uh, "Truth to Set You Free" by Mother's Finest. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed, I wanted some star power on it, and I was kind of lamenting to a friend of mine who works at the Hard Rock Cafe, and uh, she was like, "Look, you should call Eric Clapton." I was like, "What?" <laughs> Eric. What do you mean, God? Just go, yeah, right. Just call Eric Clapton. That's your son, Amber. You can call up Eric Clapton. <laughs> that's what she said. That's it's the truth. That's what she said to me, Tony. And I was like, you know what? I don't like the soul. You know what I mean? So, so, so I said, okay. I said, if you give me your way to get in touch with him, I'll do it. I'll pull the trigger. And wouldn't you know it, she came up with Eric's email address. Wow. I sent Eric an email. I just, I did. I followed through, sent him an email, and he hit me right back. He said, "Yes, yeah, sure. I would love to play on it. Just send me the tracks." Wow. You know? Yeah, and so that's how you know he ended up playing on my Rock Hard Cachet album. You know, and then after that, I didn't see him anymore until like maybe like maybe seven years ago. I was playing with Bruce Hornsby. We did Jay Leno. Oh, I love Bruce Hornsby too. I saw you were playing. I saw you playing with him. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. uh, and Eric actually sat in with us that night on Jay Leno, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then a little while after that, he called me to, to 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 join his band. But he said, "Man, I remember the pocket. I remember playing with you at the Lake Leno show." He said, "I had such a great time. I wanted to just see if you were available to do some dates with me." And I was like, "Yeah, of course I am." Of course, <laughs> he probably say, "Sonny, man, what took you so long?" <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cruising thing, the song with. With on Spike's thing, that kind of came about because we were we were in the studio. I remember it was myself, Morris Pleasure, Maurice, and Philip, and Vadim. We were in the studio, and we were working on Urban Night stuff. Mm-hmm. And and on a break, we took a break from recording. And you know how musicians just kind of fiddle around and stuff. Morris and I started this groove, and I remember Maurice leaned over. He was still in the control room. He leaned over. He was like, "What's that?" Like, oh, it's just a groove. And then Philip came out and pulled up a microphone and just kind of started kind of humming a little a melody with no words. And Maurice was like, put this down. And they started recording it. And then from that point, we developed it. And that's how that song became Cruising on the soundtrack. Wow. That, yeah. that's, some, that's just incredible. It's just magical. It's, yeah. it's destiny. It's fate. It's, you know, all, all of yeah. that good stuff, Sonny, like yeah. I said. I don't care what you say. I need to, you know, I wish I could have had a conversation with your mom because I believe you just came out of the womb with us, uh, you know, some cymbals, uh, you know, a freaking snare drum and two drum sticks. You know, you just been playing and playing and playing and playing and so on and so on. So what motivates you to keep going? Because, you know, you're the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> I, you know what? I just, God gives me the strength to keep going and he just continues to just like fill me with the joy. Of playing, you know what I mean? I and you in turn feel so many people with joy watching you play and listening to you play. And, and you know what, Tony, that is really what it's all about. And I think I realized that at a very young age, that what I do, what any of us do in the arts, is not meant for us, really. It's meant for the world. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it's meant to uplift, to encourage, and to inspire, you know what I mean? So... That's why that's why it's, it's the most important to, to honor the gift. Not because you can make a lot of money 
or be famous or none of that. No, it's because you have a duty to, to use that God-given gift to inspire people, to change people's lives. You don't have any idea who you're touching when you when you sing, you know. And I know you know this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you have so much passion and, and, and spirit. People have a way of of connecting to what you're doing artistically. Mm-hmm. If it's coming from your heart, you know what I mean? Right. And, and so when you stay connected to the purpose, I just try to stay connected to the purpose. And I try to constantly kind of challenge myself and find new and different stuff to do, man, new projects. Okay, let's, you know, I've done a lot of different projects, a lot of different genres and stuff, you know. Yeah. And the latest one is, is entitled Soul Ascension. And Ooh, I, just kind I of like just, that title. Yeah, I got together with um, me and Vance. Ooh, I love Vance. Vance Taylor. Oh, yeah. Ronnie got together over COVID. Because, you know, we used to have a band called RSVP, Ronnie, Sonny, Vance, and Pat Buchanan at the time. Wow. We got together, I mean, when everything shut down in 2020, Mm -hmm. COVID, uh, Ronnie called me, and uh, because we talked, you know, almost every day, man, let's just get in the studio and just put some stuff down. I'm going to call Vance. I was like, all right, cool. So that's how my latest project came about. You know, it started. I had some a couple of tracks done already. And then when I got with them, man, we came up with some more tracks. And one thing led to another. And I just I started to just continue to produce them and finish them. And, and by the time 2020 was over, I had a completed project. You know, I was like, okay, well, you know. I wanted to use this time constructively, and so I, I did. So it's entitled Soul Ascension, and you can get it at Spotify, Apple iTunes, you know. So it's time. already out? Oh, yeah, it's been out. Then. Okay, well, as soon as I finish this conversation, I'm going to, i got to check that out. I'm excited. Yeah. Just, you know, I can't it's wait to hear it. Patrice, Patrice Russian is on it. Oh. Uh, Bobby Ooh. Lyle is on it. Uh, Bob James is on it. Oh, my speech. goodness. Woo. Link Castro and Jimmy Haslop also. Are featured on it, you know. My son Nicholas is singing. Oh, you know? so it, it. I mean, you know, it, it, it. It's a great. You know, I love it. I have fun putting it together. The the first single from the project was Baby Fingers. I released that in August. Okay. And then I dropped the actual album was dropped on Thanksgiving Day, twenty twenty one. Okay. And uh, and the second single. It's entitled Car Guy. It's coming out on March 9th. Oh, I cannot wait. And, you know, thank you for letting us know. I didn't know any of this, and now I feel like I'm informed, and everybody else will be, too. Okay, before I let you go, Sonny, I need to hear about you and Bette Midler. Now, she all on the radio bragging about you. You are her boy. You got me those great orchestra seats when I was in Las Vegas. And, you know, to see you, and that was amazing. Tell me about how is it playing with the iconic Bette Midler? That's yeah, phenomenal. That was, yeah, it was really, it was really, 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 really great. I, you know, I've been a drummer for like twenty plus years. Whoa! So can you just call us a hey bet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's amazing. I'm, uh, I'm happy that I can do that, but but that leads me to my point. I mean, over the years we've become really, really, really good friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, she. She's also like a mentor, I mean, I've, I've just been so blessed to have just the, the greatest bosses in the world, I say, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she'll she send message to me, she'll send word to me in the dressing room, look, 
tell Sonny I want him on the private with me tonight. Cause she wow. she privately, and and we would just chop it up. She would ask me, so how, how do you think the show is going? And I mean, you know, and, and just just staying in touch, you know, and just she just you know she she trusted my judgment musically. And of course. We've we've become really good friends, and I I totally admire her. I've learned so much. She's taught me so much about the business of of music and of life. And of life, yeah. yes, I know yeah. she's got a lot of knowledge, yeah. wisdom, you know, talent, everything, experience. Yeah. You know, Sonny, yeah. once you were a warrior standing on the shoulder of giants, and now you are a giant. And we like to thank the great drum master, drum legend. Drum royalty, Sonny Emery. You got any last words, Sonny? I love you, sweetie. I love, I love you, you, too. And to all the young artists out there, keep your head up. Keep moving in the right direction. And put God first, and it's going to be all good. I promise you. Sonny, thank you so much. I feel so honored that I had an opportunity to talk to you in depth about, you know, your career and what you got going on now and, you know, what's coming up and, I, I'm just, this is just amazing to me, and I will cherish this, and I'm sure everybody else that will be listening to it is going to absolutely love listening to you. And uh, so, thank you again, and let's not be strangers, I'm, I'm going to be calling you soon, because you know, I know you're getting ready to go out with um, Eric Clapton, so I just want to make sure we stay in touch and you know, keep in touch. Yeah, it's my pleasure, sweetie, anytime, okay? Alright, love you. Alright, right. bye-bye. That wraps up our version of Unsung Musicians Behind the Legends, third edition. And we want you to always remember, a day without music is unnecessary. Until next time, Tony Red, The Red Room.